The book was better. All right. And we're live. Hello, hello again. Welcome back. Here's hoping we don't have any connectivity issues because before we started recording, we did have connectivity issues. So. Yes, I am currently in Idaho visiting my husband's family, so I don't have my normal setup. So if things are not as crisp or clean as normal, my apologies. I'll be back for next time and we'll be good. <laughs> so just listen. It's basically like a normal conversation, right? It doesn't all go according to plan. It's not a planned yeah. thing. Just um, bear with us this week. That's all. And then also, um, sorry if I just seem kind of scatterbrained. Because today was my daughter's third birthday. And I was busy. And I didn't get much sleep. But we needed to get this done, so did not want to postpone or delay it. No. And hey, scatterbrain thoughts are the truth coming out. Indeed. All right. Well, before we get into things too much, um, announcement-wise, if you can even consider it an announcement, it's just, hey, we're doing the sixth Harry Potter book today, which means we're basically done with Harry Potter so if you have a specific book or series that you want us to do next, you really need to start getting those things into us, especially just because the Harry Potter series is long, longer than most series. So one second. What is happening? I have, I have an alarm going off in the background. One second. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just going to keep going with my thought. Um, <laughs> don't. <laughs> what even sound? Okay. Um, so even if you give us a recommendation and we don't do it, the odds are we'll get to it quicker because even if we're doing another series, most other series aren't longer than just like three books. And they're also shorter books. And it's just we, we might be able to move through the next ones quicker. Um, so yeah, let us know what you want to hear us talk about next. What books should we read? What movies should we watch? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I want to shamelessly self plug, obviously. Um, if you're not following us on social media, well, hello, welcome. Please do. We post funny stuff and recaps of the episode and we have a TikTok now. Which is, you know, so oh, yeah. hip and fun and we modern. We do on a TikTok. Feels so cool. And it's cool. the same, even on TikTok, as it is everywhere else. Yes, everywhere. TBWB podcast. So that includes Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok. We got all of them. SoundCloud? I don't know. SoundCloud? Yeah, we're on SoundCloud now. Is that a thing that we should keep doing? Let us know. We don't know if people still use SoundCloud. We're kind of out of the loop. Podcasts, I don't know. Um, oh, you know what we didn't do? Hi, hello. This is the book is better was better. <laughs> oh yeah, welcome to the book I'm was Kaylee better Clark, podcast. And that is, <laughs> I'm Taylor Collette. Sorry, I mean you're on the sixth episode here. You know, you know who we are, right? I guess you don't have to listen to them in order, but 
I mean, since we are doing the Harry Potter series, I assume you'd want to listen to the other ones first. We'll just never really have this whole introduction thing down. And that's what makes it fun and authentic. (laughs) But for reals, go follow us on social media because we post lots of fun stuff there. And um, it'd be really cool of you. And we also ask questions on there. We do polls. We do Mm -hmm. videos, all sorts of stuff. So definitely go check us out over there. All righty. And I think that's all for what we are going to be calling somewhat announcements. Sure. (laughs) They're not fully announcements. They're just somewhat announcements. They're statements. (laughs) They're statements of fact. At the beginning of an Um, episode. (laughs) All right. So this week we are diving in and jumping into the six Harry Potter book and movie, which is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Which the book was written by J.K. Rowling. We all know that much. The movie was directed by David Yates, which is the same director as the last one, but with the screenplay by Steve Cloves. So we're back to like the original screenplay writer, but with a different director. So this is the first time that this director and screenplay writer have worked together. And you um, can and then the music tell. Yeah. And the music is again by Nicholas Hooper in this movie. Um, slight small recap, just because something that I find when I haven't read the book for a while or watched the movie for a while is I will forget about things that happen or I will mix up books and things that happen in books. And I even have people I've even had people say to me like, oh, yeah, the fifth one, that's when Dumbledore dies, right? Like, no, Sirius dies in the fifth one. So spoilers, uh, so many spoilers, synopsis. (laughs) Sorry, Um, (laughs) the small synopsis for this book slash movie is it is Harry's sixth year at Hogwarts. He is invited to do private lessons with Dumbledore, where he learns more about Voldemort and Horcruxes. And unfortunately, in the end of the movie and book, Dumbledore dies. He is killed by Snape and the wizarding world falls apart. Yep. That's it. And other stuff happens. that's, That's the very meek, small synopsis off the top of my head mm-hmm. and with that we will get into it yeah let's hop in so i'm gonna start and i'm gonna start mm-hmm. us off hot <laughs> because i'm talking about that stupid <laughs> fire scene so. oh my gosh it's so stupid <laughs> i hate it i hate it so much it's like, awkward too. It just doesn't make any sense. There's so many things that I could talk about with that stupid scene. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you've like only watched the movie or only read the book, it'd be very confusing because this is something that only happens in the movie that doesn't happen in the book. And it's it makes a no scene, sense. it's around Christmas time, and Harry and Ron and Hermione and Ginny and everyone go back to the borough for Christmas. And I don't think Hermione's there. Is Hermione not there? Am I just totally No, Hermione's at her own house. Oh, I'm just with totally her parents. putting her there. Whoops, my bad. But everyone else is there. Yeah, you know, a lot of people back at the borough for Christmas, which does happen in the books. But then in the movie, they have the Death Eaters show up 
and attack them and set the burrow on fire. And there's this random, the randomness of like Harry and Ginny like out chasing through the field. Like it's Ginny's in like her robe. (laughs) It's just and like after the stupid shoelaces scene, which I'll get into later. But like, oh, my gosh, the shoelace scene. What was the point of this scene? I don't understand what was so wrong with having the original, like what actually happens during like holiday and Christmas holiday at the borough in the book is that Percy and the new minister of magic show up and basically ask Harry to be like a poster boy for the ministry. And Harry's like, are you kidding? After what the ministry put me through? You're going to ask me to like publicly support you and what you're doing. Like what would what that that actually adds to the story. Why not just in, like stick with what actually happened in the book? Well, and you get to learn <laughs> more about screen time. You get to learn more about that minister, of, like the new minister of magic. You get to see what Percy is up to because you're like, well, again, in the movies, they didn't even do it justice. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. That stupid scene, because then in, I'm like, what happened to the burrow if you just burned it down here? Obviously, it comes back. What? <laughs> There's like a wedding there in the next book. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Use your stupid brains. <laughs> and I know I'm sure that they wanted something dramatic and they wanted some cool scenes of like going through the giant grass and I don't know. Bellatrix laughing. (laughs) I don't. But if you wanted a battle, which we'll get into later, though, but like there's a battle in the book. There is a battle in the book and they totally ignored it. There's already enough drama in this storyline. Like, just keep going. They didn't need to change it, but they did. Don't waste screen time on this. (laughs) Like, how long would you say that stupid scene is? Like, it's a long, it's a lot because there's. Just a ton of random running through the field Mm -hmm. and then random shooting jinxes back and forth at, you know, invisible Death Eaters. Dramatic, sad stares at the burning burrow. And like, I can I I can understand maybe their whole point with that was to show kind of like the impact and how heavy this whole war but against I feel like Voldemort that's a is on out. the Weasleys themselves. But again, there's there's other scenes that actually happen in the book that show that. When again, I feel like it's a, it was a cop out. It was like too easy to be like, well, let's just show their house burning down. That obviously will show that they're, you know, having a hard time instead of like doing a good job and showing it implicitly through smaller scenes all adding up and having that subtlety and said they're just like yeah their house burned down that sucks <laughs> well and i feel like they have the actors like the actors have the talent and skill that if they yeah. had just given them the scenes to do like raw emotion through those subtleties and just like the the weight bearing down like they, they could have done it they just didn't they just didn't yeah and what's even more annoying is they took out so much from this book, which obviously they've had to do for a lot of these books because books are too long. You can't fit it on the movie. I get that. But if you're going to cut stuff out, don't fill up like 10 minutes of time with made up garbage. 
at least fill it with other important scenes from the book. For instance, the whole beginning, like the first chapter of the sixth book is Mm -hmm. called The Other Minister. And it talks about the prime minister of England who meets with Fudge originally and learns about what's going on and is like Fudge explains to him. Yeah, I know you think it was a hurricane. It wasn't a hurricane. It was actually like Death Eaters. You think that these murders are confusing? Yeah, it's because they were done by magic. You think that this is weird? It's because it was magic. And Voldemort's back and this is happening. And let me tell you, because you need to be ready because this is going to affect the Muggles too. And then Fudge introduces the Prime Minister to the new Minister of Magic, Scrimger. In the movie's defense, I guess, like a positive thing that I do like is they do at least show like Death Eaters destroying the bridge. And, you know, muggles do like notice and they're like looking out and they're like, this is weird weather. Like they do kind of show it, show that like, hey, the things happening in the wizarding world are having effects and are noticeable by muggles. But I do think that the extent of that scene between the ministers and stuff would have been really cool to see in the movie. Even just a snippet of it. Like, you didn't need to do the whole thing. But again, you had like 10 minutes wasted on that stupid fire scene. You could have taken two to have some ministers talking to each other. Or let's talk about all of Tom Riddle's past that they just decided wasn't important enough to show. Yeah. Like, in the movies, you get small glimpses of it, of course. Like, you know, they show the super important parts, I guess you could say. Like, the you need to see this in order to understand what's going on parts. But, like, they left out the other stuff, which I still think was important. And it's, like, so weird the way that they did it, where it's, like, flash, flash, flash. Like, that's not how it happened in the book. In the book, they were, like, full-on memories, full scenes. Mm -hmm. Breaks in between where Harry and Dumbledore kind of like talk about what they saw and we won't even get into how terribly portrayed Tom Riddle is. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so bad. I He's hate not him. Creepy. I hate him so much. Where was second movie Tom Riddle when we needed him? Yeah. But, well, but also just how important and how going into the next movie and the Horcruxes and things like knowing more of that background of Tom Riddle's past, you know, slash Voldemort's past, it makes what he chooses as the Horcruxes so much more important. And you understand like, why did he pick that cup? (laughs) Well, but also it's like, um, why are they in this rando cave? Like, I don't understand. It's like, if you understood his past, you'd know that like he, when he was in the orphanage, they would go to that lake once a summer and he would always like scare kids into that cave and like torment his fellow orphanage mates, fellow orphans. I don't know. <laughs> a sad statement. <laughs> yes, it is a sad statement, but it also ties a lot more connection between Harry and Voldemort and their past and where they both how- had rough childhoods. Rough childhoods, very strong connections to Hogwarts, Hogwarts being the only place they ever truly considered home, things like that. And like Harry, it's like takes a toll on Harry. He's like, whoa, this is like oddly familiar. 
Yeah. So, and it kind of makes that connection between Harry and Voldemort even more apparent because they do have a connection. I mean, they're almost two sides of a coin, a good side and an evil side. But it helps in the seventh with everything that happens. And I feel like I'm going to say this a lot as we go through this episode. The sixth book sets up the seventh book very well. The sixth movie does a horrible job at setting up the seventh movie. Yeah. Well, and one of the big things, too, is I remember when the movie came out and like people, a spoiler alert, I guess. But if you're we've already spoiled so many things. Yeah, exactly. If you're listening to this, you shouldn't care. When the movie came out, the seventh movie, I guess the part two of the seventh movie came out, people were shocked and so surprised. It's like, oh, my gosh, Harry was another horcrux, blah, blah, blah. And it's like if you had read the sixth book, it wouldn't have been that surprising. It wasn't that surprising. You kind of saw it coming. Dumbledore kind of knew. He suspected that. Yeah. And there are specific scenes where even though he doesn't ever say it outright to Harry, you get this impression that like. He with the scar and the connection between Harry and Voldemort, like Dumbledore suspects that that might be the case. Well, and so many people were guessing before the seventh book came out, they were like, I bet Harry dies in this book. Like, I bet he has to sacrifice himself because like he's a horcrux. And they were right, like because it led you to believe that in the sixth. (laughs) If you just watched the movie, it would be a total shock to you because they did a terrible job. And so before I finish up, one other thing that I wish that we would have seen more of was the Tonks-Lupin relationship. Oh, totally. Because, like, it's so, like, sad at the beginning when you're like, I Lupin doesn't think he's good enough for her and he thinks she deserves better. And she's like, but I love you. And you're like, oh. And it's seriously this, like, torn thing throughout the entire book. Tonks is... Um, Tonks is at Hogwarts. Changes. And it's really, really rare for a Patronus to change. Because she's just so heartbroken. And it's a combination of things, right? With Sirius dying and everything, too. But she loves Lupin. And Lupin doesn't think he's good enough for her. And it's throughout the entire book. Again, in the movie, it's like at Christmas holiday and stuff. They just act like... They're already together and like they're not. It's no, it's a not serious until the thing. very and Harry, end of the book. <laughs> Harry is like involved and it makes again, spoiler for the seventh, it makes their whole connection and their eventual death so much more like of a sh- like so much more of a shock and so much more difficult to well, swallow. And it also explains a lot more why Harry is chosen as their son's godfather. Mm hmm. Because if you just watch the movies, you don't really get like a strong relationship or connection between Harry and Tonks and Lupin. Yeah. But also that's partially because Lupin's not in the movies as much after the third as he is in the books. Yeah, he's there a lot. And I know we've mentioned this in the past and I'm just going to slide it in there. The age thing, I think if they had (laughs) properly portrayed their ages, it would have been a lot more potent when they died. For instance... Lupin, who is probably at this point, I don't know, 30. He's still in his 30s. They would still be in their 30s. 30, what, six, maybe? 
37. 37, let's say. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's too old for Tonks. So she's probably in her 20s. She's in her late 20s. Yeah. So that's like not that old. In the movie? Yeah. Yeah, you probably are too old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like in the movie, movie you been look in movie tonks. Old. Like, yeah, I can see a pretty big age gap. Not in the books. In the books, it's not even a 10-year age gap. No. <laughs> but since they're younger, younger, quote unquote, you know. Mm-hmm. It will, define that as you will but (laughs) when they die it's like so sad because you're like they had so much life left to live yeah and a small child anyway we're jumping ahead that isn't yes i could just go on and on so (laughs) technically two episodes from now because it's in part two of the movie yeah (laughs) anyways um but yeah that fire scene was stupid they shouldn't have had it they should have included literally anything else from the book There was so much they could have included instead. Totally. Speaking of which, let's go on to your number three. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So real quick to preface this, my number three, there were positives in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of them being the actress who portrays Lavender Brown. Yeah, I think she did a good job. Her name was Jessie cave (laughs) couldn't read my own handwriting it's fine nice (laughs) um and i thought that she did a fantastic job at portraying like who lavender brown is in the books and whatnot but that being said i really and i i know i've kind of talked about something similar to this in previous episodes but it it really gets heavy in this book and they still got it wrong (laughs) way they portray the relationship between ron and hermione in the movies is so weird and in the books there's a lot more buildup there's a lot more subtlety and there's actually a lot of Hermione pining after Ron which I feel like they missed and so a lot of people are like Hermione's too good for him like blah 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 like she she probably doesn't even like him that much and I'm like no 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 (laughs) Okay, well, the part of and part of that issue, too, is that the movies do not portray Ron strong suits that well. Mm-mm. No, they do not, as we've talked about many times. And so, yeah, they throw in a couple like jealousy scenes or whatnot in the movies. But like the books do a much better job at showing how protective Ron is over Hermione and how much he respects her and admires her and promotes, you know, like her and her strengths and her abilities as well as those moments of jealousy and whatnot. But then, like you said, the pining from Hermione's end. And in the movie, they almost make it look like just this little spat. And it's it just doesn't have the emotion Mm-mm. that it has in the book. And again, partially the problem there is it kind of seems to come out of nowhere in the movie. There's not as much of that buildup. Yeah. And... The subtlety and, you know, all of the things from the previous books kind of adding into when Ron finally has a girlfriend and there's more before Ron gets a girlfriend in the book of like Hermione kind of flirting with Ron and them flirting together and kind of flirting around this idea of them basically going on a date together. And and Harry's kind there of just awkwardly the whole time. <laughs> yes. 
And it's the the movie kind of tries to do that with Slughorn's party and Hermione being like, oh, well, actually, I was going to ask you to go. But it's just it's just so different. And I love the Ron and Hermione relationship in the books. It's one of my favorite like fictional relationships, like fictional couples. And mm. the movies just don't do it right at all, no. which is why we have so many people who even if they have read the books, they've seen the movies more. And so that's what's more prevalent in their minds. And they don't understand why Ron and Hermione are together. And they think that Hermione should have ended up with Harry. But that's also because the movies force all these scenes and almost force a, a like deeper. Connection. Well, they won't they with Harry and Hermione. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the books. I mean, so, yes, in the book, when Lavender kisses Ron for that first time and Hermione like leaves and Harry follows after her and he does comfort her. Like, it's not like they're not still friends. Like, they are still best friends. It's a trio well, it's of best friendship. it's much more a brother-sister relationship. But it's totally more a brother-sister relationship. And a lot of the scenes where Harry is confiding in Hermione in the movies, in the book, it's him confiding in Ron. And sometimes Hermione's also there, but he's mostly usually talking to Ron because well and if he's that's talking, his true best friend Ron is his true best friend <laughs> and the only time he's talking to Hermione and not Ron generally they're talking to each other Harry's talking about how he wants to date Ginny but he thinks Ron will be mad Hermione's talking about how she wants to date Ron but he's dating Hermione and they're just both upset about their love lives like yeah about other <laughs> but they won't people say it, but they won't say it straight out right no, not like, explicitly if, if hermione ever like implies too strongly that harry likes Ginny, he's like he gets super defensive about it yeah and if harry's like well hermione if you would only just like talk to him or whatever and hermione's like no blah, 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 blah. i don't no i don't care why do you think i care he can kiss whoever he wants to <laughs> like yeah like and they did show some of that in the movie too right but it's just a lot of specifically in the movie right like the end, especially where he's talking to Hermione and he's Ron's just like sitting over there on the steps, like not even really included in the conversation. Yeah. And in the book, Harry, the first person Harry tells about like the note and the fact that the Horcrux is fake and it was all for naught and he, how upset he is, is just to Ron mm -hmm. in the dormitory. They're alone. Hermione's not even there. Like, the first person to go comfort Harry and, like, make sure he's okay after Dumbledore dies is Ron. And, like, a throwback to, let's real fast, just remember, like, there have been times where Harry has said he was so grateful for Ron because Hermione just doesn't always get it. And he's so glad yep. that Ron's his best friend. Or in, like, the after Sirius died, Ron was there to make sure he was okay. Mm -hmm. And, like... I just, it's so sad that for some reason the movies are like, yeah, but like, Ron sucks. And you're like, no, Ron's his best friend. Like, he'd call Hermione his and best friend, more. but it's there's, not quite the same. There's a lot more in this scene, in this movie. I mean, and I'll kind of get into this later, but a big thing throughout this book that really isn't in the movie is how adamantly against using the Half-Blood Prince's book, Hermione is, and how Ron is like... Look, use it, man. <laughs> Listen, 
it's helping him. It helped him save my life. Like, Ron is always on Harry's side mm-hmm. and always comes to and his... Like, like, after the fourth, after he doubted Harry that one time in the fourth, and he realized he was wrong, he's been, like, solid. Stalwart. 100% he's been a, Like, yeah. And before that, he was, too. It was, like, that one... Which makes sense. It's got to happen eventually. Like that mm-hmm. one time in the fourth. But otherwise, he's just, he's amazing. And he's a really good friend. And for whatever reason, they take those scenes out and give them to Hermione. Which makes Ron and Hermione's relationship less impactful. And also Harry and Ron's relationship less impactful. Mm-hmm. And then tries to force this weird... Will they, won't they, maybe they have romantic feelings for each other between Hermione and Harry. And that just isn't in the the books. It just isn't. Ron is a lot more patient with Hermione in the books than Harry is. Oh, and Harry Harry gets pretty frustrated whenever Hermione calls him out on things. And yeah, Ron will again step up for Harry and be like, don't quit rubbing it in or lay off it. Like, lay off it. He's frustrated. Lay off it kind of thing. But... But Harry gets frustrated with her quite a lot. Ron gets along better with Hermione in the books than Harry does. Not saying that Harry and Hermione are not friends. They are. They're very good friends. But it's just Ron and Hermione, it's so, they're just so pure. Their relationship is tender and pure. And well, and Harry and Hermione (laughs) have more of a brother or sister relationship, which means, I mean, I get annoyed with my siblings. Mm hmm. And but I still love him, you know. I still I know, like. I know that firsthand. No. Yeah, <laughs> you're still my best friend, even though you annoy the heck out of me. <laughs> Ditto. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, but like that's how Harry and Hermione hey. are. Like they annoy the heck out of each other, but they still love each other. They still, you know, they want to support each other, but they're like, oh, you bug me so much. But it's like more of a sibling thing, whereas Ron and Hermione have uh, that more romantic connection where they don't want to necessarily, you know, upset the other one too much because they care about their feelings and it's more complicated. Yeah. And the movie did a terrible job. And and the movie too, it just, I feel like the movie tries to make up for not doing it well enough, which is why like they almost force this breakup with Lavender, like, it was all Hermione's fault kind of thing. But mm-hmm. in the book, that's not how it happens. <laughs> Ron always pretends to be asleep when Lavender visits him it's in so the funny. hospital wing. And then Harry and Hermione are finally like, she won't stop pestering us now about how you're doing. Quit pretending to be asleep. Like just and man up and break up with her. After he leaves the hospital wing, even though at that point he is starting to get kind of sick and tired of her. Yeah. And the more he hints that he wants it to be over, the like tighter her vice grip gets. <laughs> um, yes. And they do eventually break up, but it's not because she like overhears him say Hermione's name in his sleep in the hospital. <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, she's clearly jealous and sudden and does start to get upset. Like whenever she sees Ron with Hermione, but like, it's just, it. it's more subtle. It's, that is one thing that this movie misses. Subtlety in any capacity. Yeah. So. 
but like I said, Lavender Brown did a really good job. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were there are parts of like the relationship roller coaster that the movie did capture really well. And that like beginning of relationship with Lavender is one of them. So Mm -hmm. I could go into more examples and details, but we got to keep going. So I'm going to stop there. We're trying to keep this episode a normal length. But this one's so hard. I thought the fourth (laughs) one was hard. This oh one sucks. This one's really hard. This one. Oh, okay. It's rough. What's your number two? All right. My number two is about the Malfoy Familia. Um, and like a lot more about Draco and how he's portrayed and like Narcissa and even a little bit about like the whole Lucius thing. So let's start from the beginning. So <laughs> the whole scene with Bellatrix and... Narcissa going to Snape's. I'm glad that they included that. And they did do a really good job. Yeah. So that was like... In the rain and Bellatrix like following her and being like, you shouldn't be doing this. And she's all like, leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, obviously when you're watching it, you're not going to get the same kind of understanding of the situation as when you're reading it. Because I feel like when you read it, you just like get a lot more of, like, their inner thoughts and, like, what's going mm-hmm. on. And, like, so that scene was Things good. Things that so are was, difficult like, to, like, show on a person's face. Yeah. So I don't fault him for that. But then you move into the next scenes, which aren't even in the movie, when Harry and Ron and Hermione and the Weasleys all go to Diagon Alley to get their school books and robes and everything. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to the... Madam Malkin, Mal- uh, mm-hmm. the robe, the robe Madam chick. Malkin's robe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get their new robes because they, in the beginning, Mrs. Weasley talks about how Harry and Ron are like sprouting up super tall. It's like, wow, you've both grown like a foot. Like, <laughs> you Which guys need new I robes. Get, they picked the actors when they were like 11. They didn't know didn't how know the growth thing gonna was going to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love you, Daniel Radcliffe, but you. You stopped growing. (laughs) Ron, Rupert Grant at least got a little bit taller. But anyways, so they go to get robes and they actually run into Draco and his mom, Narcissa, in the robe shop getting robes. And there's like a whole showdown there, essentially, where the poor Madame Malkin's like, please put your wands away. Please don't fight in my shop. Like, please stop this. But it's also the first time you get a hint at... Malfoy being a Death Eater. Because Madame Malkin goes to adjust his left sleeve and the dark mark is always put on the left arm. And when she goes to, like, she doesn't even touch it. And he's like, ouch, watch where you're putting your pin. Like, and he's like, I don't even want these robes. And then he, like, storms out. And so you, like, that's kind of a hint to Harry that Draco's a Death Eater. Because that's one thing in the movie, Harry's like, oh, yeah, he's a Death Eater. I don't have, like, any reason to suspect it, but, like, he definitely is. <laughs> like, it's just not quite as obvious they, I mean, as they it do, is. they do the scene... In Borgen and Burks. It's not exactly the way it was in the book, but they do show, like, the scene in Borgen and Burks and how they follow him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is a good reason to be suspicious. It does kind of set up Harry's suspicions, but the but book... But there's so much more in the book. ...sets up a lot more. And then in Borgenberg's, like, Draco calls 
Hermione a mud blood again, and his mom is just like, yeah, I don't want to buy robes Not from here. Not in Borgen and Burks. No, 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 no I'm talking about in, in Madame Malkin's. I'm going yeah, you said Borgen and Burks. Um, I'm tired. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just clarifying for our listeners' yeah, sake. Sorry. I knew what you are talking about. <laughs> in Madame Malkin's, when he's getting the robes, and then he's like, I don't want the robes from here. His mom, Narcissa's like, well, now that I know what kind of filth that they like give robes to, I don't want you to buy them from here anyways. Like, you see his mom is, like, just as much of a jerk as he is. So you're like, oh, he was just raised by two rough people. Because, I mean... Bellatrix Lestrange is her sister. Like, she's a black. She's from the black family. However, Andromeda, Tonks' mom, is their other sister. And she went way opposite. They weren't total lost causes. They just kind of ended up sucking. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't help that she married Lucius, who also sucks. And that's another thing that happens in Madame Malkin's is Harry says to Narcissa, I'm sure maybe you'll get a shared cell with your Stupid husband. Your loser husband. Your loser husband in Azkaban. (laughs) And Draco, like, is like, don't talk to my mother that way. But it's, like, kind of (laughs) funny. Anyways. So it's like, there's that rivalry between the whole Malfoy family, really. Because they're with the dark. They all hate Harry. They all hate him. And so I get, you know, that scene wasn't as important. But I just feel like it really set up that relationship, which is a big contrast to what happens in the seventh where Narcissa kind of flips and all she cares about is her son which you kind of get in this one with the fact that she goes to Snape because she's so worried about him but like she's still kind of first time reading it as a mother myself and I'll tell you it tugged in my heartstrings just a little bit more this time (laughs) yeah so that's like with Narcissa she like I wish that we got to see a bit more of her because you see a bit more of her in this in the book Because she, in the seventh, definitely becomes a bigger player. Mm -hmm. But then with Draco, there's the scene on the train, which I think they did a decent job. Mm. I I said decent. The beginning. (laughs) Yeah, the beginning. Yeah. But I just... Not so much. (laughs) I feel like throughout the entirety of the build-up to him going to kill Dumbledore... He's just not shown the same way in the book that he is in the movie. Mm-mm, not at all. <laughs> like, I mean, they kind of show like him going to like that Snape's trying to help him. But like Draco is stubborn and he's like, I don't want your help. I can do this on my own. He's like a stubborn 16 year old boy. Like, well, and something that I wrote down specifically in my notes is that Malfoy isn't reluctant and he's also not with his mom when he's at Borgen and Burks in the book. No, like, he's doing this all solo. He's doing it solo. He's and like again on the train train. He's not like oh, this stupid school. Blah, blah, blah. Like like he's bragging and mm-hmm. very grandiose with his like pride and how he's like kind of just hinting at things. And won't he's say like, anything I've been outright, chosen for a special mission. Like it's like. It's not that he's surprised he won't be at the next school next year because the school is sucks, but because he's going to be moved on to better and higher things and all yeah. these things. And then it's this slow progression throughout the book from super prideful. I'm the ch- I'm chosen for this great thing. Not reluctant at all. 
to more and more stressed, more and more and sallow. More, I can't go through with this. And, and then the end, more he and more, the only reason I'm doing this is because if I don't, I will I'm die gonna myself. I'm going to get killed. <laughs> and, like, the whole, there's a lot more, I mean, like, I'm, I don't know how to explain. Like, there's, like, the mystery throughout the whole book and movie is, like, there's all these, like, weird things going on. Like, the Ron yeah. getting poisoned by the wine and, like, the thing that happened to Katie Bell and, like, the, the necklace and everything. And in I feel like the movie doesn't quite show that it might be Draco, you know, like I feel like as you read the book, you're like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah. And it like all kind of pieces itself together. Whereas in the movie, I mean, I can't even remember them fully explaining it in the end. I feel like they, they were just like, yeah, yeah, that's in the happens. book. You learn that it's because he used the imperious curse on Madame Rosmerta to give it to give the necklace to Katie to give to Dumbledore like and they're all attempted like ways to kill Dumbledore like he tried all this different stuff and you can easily tie it all back to the three broomsticks yeah the you know really fine mead or whatever came from the three broomsticks Katie Bell went to the bathroom at the three broomsticks and came back with this necklace like you can all connect it and acting all weird and it's because Rosmerta was under the Imperius curse. And like, I feel like the, as we said before, with subtleties, like there's all these little hints and clues in the book that almost makes you more interested because you feel like you're solving a mystery. You're like, whoa, what's mm-hmm. like, whereas in the movie, they're just like, yeah, this stuff is happening, but mm, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole Sectum Sempra scene was <laughs> just... <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong. There, Draco does cry. That was... No, so the beginning of that scene, even if it doesn't start out the right way with, like, how Harry finds him in the bathroom, mm-hmm. Malfoy, you know, Tom Felton, where he's gripping the sides of the sink, pale, he's crying, he's thinner, like, he looked like... That's almost like word for word from the book. That part, yeah. that opening scene with Harry just like standing behind him through the cracked mirror. Perfection. From there. And then like <laughs> them fighting, also pretty dang good. And then Snape enters. Mm. And it falls apart. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm like, I feel like they also don't quite fully show. I mean, they kind of show it, I guess, with Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle's not in the movie. She's not in there at all? I thought they, like, no. showed her for a brief second for some reason. No. Oh, well, in the book, <laughs> Moaning Myrtle, it's, like, Myrtle's bathroom. Like, she, like, is, like... She has moved to this bathroom, yeah. To, like, help... Because it's a boy's bathroom. Yeah, yeah. But, like, she's, like, there all the time to, like, essentially, I don't want to say, like, support Draco, but, like, be there to, like, listen to him work through stuff and, like, complain and de-stress in a way. And so that's, like, so interesting, I think, to have Myrtle there. Especially because it's another one of those hints mm -hmm. earlier on that, like, proves why Harry was right because they run into Moaning Myrtle and she talks about Draco Malfoy, but they aren't positive that it's him. Like, Yeah. So, yeah, for some reason I thought that she was in it. I'm just, I'm just wishing that she was and I'm mentally putting her in the scene. The beginning, they started off really good, and then it just got worse. And then 
I'll let you talk about Snape here in a bit. And then you get to the end with the whole killing Dumbledore thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just felt like. I mean, Tom Felton did a great job. I love him as Malfoy. I agree. But I do wish that they had had that scene be a little bit longer. We got to hear more of the dialogue and everything going on there. I'm nodding. Sorry. I keep forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) And silence. (laughs) Yeah. So I and again with I mean, something I have written up in my notes is the buildup for the next movie is missing. Because in the next one, as we will no doubt talk about, there's those scenes at the Malfoy Manor and there's Draco's a big part and the end, which I'm going to get into later. But (laughs) I wish that they had just had more of that buildup that would fit into the next movie. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to stop there because I'm already ranting too much. I'm going to I'm going to try to keep this focused, (laughs) but I doubt I'll be successful. Okay, my number two is Dumbledore's death, which kind of leads off from right what you were talking about with Malfoy. Okay, so in the movie, first of all, Dumbledore's all like perk of being Dumbledore, you can operate. No, you can't. Nobody no. can operate from Hogwarts or into Hogwarts. That's the whole freaking point of it being protected. Anyway, not even Dumbledore. They is have that to special. go down to Hogsmeade to operate. And then they have to operate back into Hogsmeade. And then they get to Hogsmeade. Which is crucial when you think about the fact that they had to come back afterwards. And he was yes. all weak and injured and still had to and walk up to injured, Hogwarts. And they had to get there. Well, they get there. And the dark mark is already above the school. Not a great sign. Then rushes Dumbledore and Harry to figure out a way. And they go to the astronomy tower. The reason they go to the astronomy tower is because the dark mark is right above it. Yes, that's why they, <laughs> that's why they go there. Why else would on they brooms, just... By the way, they fly there, there on brooms. <laughs> because Dumbledore, as they're flying, like mutters incantations to basically reverse what he had put up to prevent others from flying into the school grounds. Yeah. Anyway, so the dark mark is already there. The evil people, Death Eaters and whatnot, already there, as are members of the Order of the Phoenix, and they are already fighting. (laughs) Yeah, there is a straight-up battle going on. They get there. There's no... Harry, just hide below. Because we know Harry Potter... There's no way Harry would have stayed He ain't below. hiding nowhere. He would not have. Okay, so they get there. Harry, Dumbledore's like, go get Snape. Harry's like, yeah, I'll go get Madame Pomfrey. And Dumbledore's like, Dumbledore's like, no, I need you to go get Snape. And he's like, fine, I'll go get freaking Snape. Because <laughs> he hates Snape. <laughs> and as he's going, Dumbledore's like, put your cloak back on. And he's like, okay, his invisibility I will. Because he has his invisibility cloak which, with him this whole at time. at the beginning... Of the book in like the friggin' third or fourth chapter, Dumbledore tells Harry, keep your cloak on you at all times this year. Like always have your cloak in your pocket. 
So that's why. Because it's a magic cloak, so he can fold it up pretty dang small and it'll fit in his pocket. Yeah. Magic. Um, anyway, so as soon as he gets his cloak on and he's like heading to the door, the door bursts open. Dumbledore whips his wand out and stuns Harry. So he and in that time cannot do anything. He cannot move. He cannot talk. He he's is underneath stuck. the invisibility cloak, so nobody no knows he's there. Him. And he can't make himself known. And in the time that he's stunning Harry, that's when Draco disarms Expelliarmus is the wand right out Which of Which is very hand. crucial and important. Very crucial leading forward. But that's the whole reason so Dumbledore's wand that. is even out. It's <laughs> because he was stunning Harry. Yes. Anyway. Which is, you know. And then we got this whole scene. You know Sorry. Dumbledore was ready for death because he wasted that split second to stop Harry from being able to do anything. Like, he knew what so, was coming. He was ready. Okay, so then Draco and Dumbledore have this conversation, which the movie does show pretty well, pretty accurately, where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to kill me, kill me. Like, I don't think you're a killer. Like, let me help you. Of course, and it's Draco's in a... And like, you can't help me. What do you it's mean, It's in help a me? much better tone in the book because I... Much better because, again, Michael Gammon... I've said it once. I'll say it again. Dumbledore. I hate that Dumbledore. And in general... Just the way they do it in the movie. Also, I think just the relationship between Dumbledore and Harry isn't as strong. But anyway, yep. that's not that's one of the things I could have talked about. And I decided not to. I'm talking about so this. We can't instead, go so. into it. Um, so Draco hesitates and he keeps saying, like, no, I'm waiting for my backup for a reason. I'm waiting for my backup for a reason. And Dumbledore's like, OK, well, where are they? Like. We can hear them fighting. And that's another thing. In the book, you can hear the battle going on. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, there's there's no battle. There's no there's battle. In the Bellatrix movie. dancing up and down a table. There's Bellatrix breaking <laughs> windows in the Great Hall for some reason. <laughs> so And dumb. an easy escape for all the Death Eaters to just run away. Yeah. That's not how it happens in the book. <laughs> no. These Death Eaters do burst in and they aren't Bellatrix. Bellatrix isn't one of them. No. <laughs> but it is Fenrir Greyback is one of them. The the werewolf dude. Werewolf guy. Um, and they are like, ah, oh, good job, Draco. Okay, now do it. And then Draco hesitates. And then another one's like, fine, I'll just do it. And then another one of them goes, no, it was given to Draco. Draco has to do it. During that whole thing, Snape does finally show up. Not by Harry and is all like, quiet, I've got a plan. No, he bursts in here with this look of like anger and malice on his face. Dumbledore does go, Severus, please, no hesitation, no like slightly sad, pained look on Snape's face. It's an immediate with anger on his face, a vada cadavra, boom, he's dead. Yeah. Like, nothing just it's actually quite that part of the scene was too long (laughs) and it like it makes you it makes me really mad and again this is why we have so many snape apologists because the movies make him look sympathetic and he's just not (laughs) um in like the book obviously you know you learn later he wasn't thrilled about the idea but listen we'll talk more about him later but yeah It's just, 
It's boom, bada boom. And Harry it's, is there stunned. And Harry can't do anything. He literally can't even Dumbledore scream. Dumbledore dies, once Dumbledore is dead, he realizes he can move, except at that point, he's so stunned just by the sheer shock of what just happened that it takes Not him to a second he's to get surrounded up. by Death Eaters. <laughs> and yeah, so they've left. And then he's finally like, oh, wait. And he gets up, takes his cloak off and he stuns the like last Death Eater that's leaving. Yeah. He's able to stun him with Stupefy. Mm-hmm. And then he goes down the corridor, you know, like out of the astronomy tower and it's just pure mayhem and madness. There's oh, it's bodies insanity. on the ground. There's and he, blood. It says, like, you can't tell who's friend or foe. Like, it's just. You can't tell who. And, and, like, a lot of the bodies are face down. And he's like, man, I sure hope that wasn't one of our guys. You know, like. Sure. And he starts that. feeling guilty and bad because before he left with Dumbledore, he had told Ron, Hermione, and Ginny to like gather some other DA members so you know it's going to be Neville and Luna mm-hmm. to patrol and like keep an eye on Malfoy and Snape because he never trusted them and kind of saw this coming in a way and so he this whole time he's like feeling guilty like what if something happened to them it would be my fault because I told them to like basically engage if something happens um but like Lupin's there Tonks is there um the- McGonagall is out in fighting, so is Flitwick, you know, a lot yeah, of professors and things. the professors are out. Ginny, Ron, Hermione, like, they're all fighting. And Harry's just like, move, move. He's just, like, trying to get after Ask his Snape. Snape. Basically, he's like, hey, we got to get Draco out of here right away. And just keeps running. Like, he ignores all of this and just keeps running. And so Harry is trying to follow them. But it's just pure mayhem. And there's a lot going on. And none of that is in the movie. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why they instead was just like, hey, let's just have them like break some stuff and basically walk quickly. They were walking quickly. Yeah, but basically but like, just waltz out of the school. It's like no are not, confirma- none of the like teachers confrontation aware of what's going on. Like. Just like, yes, they do go down by Hagrid's hut. The reason they set Hagrid's hut on fire is because Hagrid is out there trying to stop them. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they set his hut on fire, because it then gets him to stop trying to stop them because Fang is still in there. And he's like, Fang, and like have to go save his dog. Well, and Hagrid was like putting up a good fight. Well, yeah, because he's half um, giant, giant, which means that his skin is thick enough to just block certain jinxes and hexes. Yeah. So they were like trying to kill him and he's just like, boom, no, not today. (laughs) And plus he had his, you know, his wand umbrella umbrella thing and he still knows some magic. So, yeah. So anyway, I probably talked about that for way too long. In fact, I'm looking at the time and I definitely talked about that for too long. But yeah, that's that's that one. So, yeah. We both did our number twos, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> I don't even remember. Okay. Um, let's quickly go through some honorable mentions and then get to our number ones. Yeah. So on a plus note, a good note, the Slughorn, I think, was great. The Jim sl- Broadbent. He was awesome. He Loved was good. Um, I think that the scene of them trying to convince him to come back was well done. I mm-hmm. think that the Slug Club was portrayed fairly well yeah and the christmas party scene was done like like when we're talking about specific scenes done well like that was one that uh uh-huh went really well um the whole felix felicis 
scene. Oh gosh, the Felix Felici scene was freaking hilarious. That is the only it's redeeming so quality good. of that entire movie. If I could just watch that scene, Sir. <laughs> and the <Harry>. pincers. <laughs> Like that By was all good. Means, come along then. <laughs> <laughs> like that scene was well done. So I will give them that, and that's about all I will give them. This movie was pretty rough. <laughs> um, something I will say, yeah. So those scenes were done well. Um, something else that I don't think we talked, I talked about enough or mentioned last time where Luna Lovegood got introduced in the last movie. Uh-huh. Ivana Lynch is a phenomenal and perfect oh, yeah, Luna Lovegood. Amazing. Um, and I like that Luna, they do include her in this movie because mm-hmm. she is included. She is in the book more. And like, um, I think that she does such a good job of having that, just like the way she says lines, like with the whole DA thing. And the like, airiness and yeah, like and then when there's something that she's like more passionate about, like her voice definitely gets like stronger, more serious. <laughs> like, yeah, like she did a great job for sure. And I'm glad that they didn't take her out because, I mean, it shows like Harry enjoys her company. Yeah, he thinks she's a little weird, but I think he also just appreciates that she doesn't care if he's the chosen one or not, like. She mm-hmm. just is happy to have a friend and have someone to talk to. Yeah, so I think that's something that they did really well with casting and then she just she adds a lot to the films. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really I wish they had included is in the beginning of the book, Harry's not just at some cafe Freaking Voldemort's on the loose. He's not allowed to freaking leave oh, the Dursley's I house. For, yeah, that was And Dumbledore stupid. doesn't just pop up and he's like, oh, Dumbledore. He's expecting him. And he's, he's not asking house. some chick on a date. On a date? What? Okay, what? anyway, it's weird. I don't know why they opened the book. Th- I don't know why they opened the movie that way. But anyway. I totally book, forgot about that because I blocked it out blocked of it my mind. Right? <laughs> but Dumbledore comes to pick him up. From the Dursleys, it's expected. He knows he's coming. He got an owl. He doubts. He doubts and that he's coming. Dumbledore, but he knows. In like the m- most Dumbledore polite but stern way, rips into the Dursleys for how oh, they've yeah. treated Harry the past six years. Like just totally has goes into him. <laughs> Better explains why like Harry needs to stay the next mm-hmm. summer. Until he turns 17, because that's when he comes of age and that's when the magic will be done. So he needs to come back next summer. And he essentially... Until his birthday and then he will leave. And he, he like, does it in, like, an asking way, but, like, with, like, the telling tone where it's, like, he's going to do it. You don't really have a choice. Yeah. Um, Another thing that kind of irks me a little bit is they make, and again, waste of screen time, is they, they do this whole, like explosion scene at Ollivander's and the Death Eaters like taking him away. Whereas in the oh, book, yeah. it specifically says Ollivander's missing. Nobody knows where he went. They don't know if he like went into hiding, if he's just like on vacation, if he got kidnapped, like nobody knows. Nobody knows where he went. Just nobody one knows morning, what's going on. The store was closed. There's no shine, like no sign of a struggle or a fight. He's just gone. And, and Diagon Alley in general, in the book, it's not like it's completely shut down. Like, yeah, people 
aren't as happy. They don't stop to talk to each other anymore. Mm -hmm. There's signs up and down kind of blocking all the shop windows of like the ministries. But there's only a few shops that are actually closed. Yeah, it's like not the, like the entire place is shut down except for Fred and George's shop. The ice cream yes, shop. Fred and is George's closed. shop is the one that's still very colorful and And I do think they did bright. a great job with showing oh, Fred and did. George and their shop. I think that was well done. And the stuff I really do think they, they did a good job with uh finally including <laughs> Weasley Wizard Wheezes. Like, yes, finally. Only took three books of what was actually like said a about slow them build to up. include in a movie. But and, and it's just such a weird thing because despite the fact that there's all this added security around Harry in particular, but then like at Hogwarts, at the school, at all these things, they're walking around alone at yeah. Diagon Alley. Underage wizards walking around alone. Never or, happened. Like in the beginning, Harry's just like at some cafe by himself. He's an Never. underage wizard in a muggle shop when Voldemort's on the loose and wants to kill him. You know, like... It's like we've talked about before where it's like um, they make up your mind. It, can they do magic or not when they're not at school? Yeah. It's like make up your mind. Is it really serious or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> like is Voldemort actually out there or does yeah. he just not care? But yeah, so those are. I mean, there's there's lots more. Hmm, there's so much more I could talk about. But for the sake of time, we need to move on to our number ones. <laughs> yeah. Because I have a rant coming, so prepare yourself. Go for it. Because I'm about to talk about my favorite fictional couple ever, Harry and Ginny, (laughs) who they wrecked and destroyed, and I'm very upset about it. So it was painful to watch their scenes. It's the most awkward, terrible gross things i've ever seen the stupid oh your shoelaces shoelaces. shut up like no and like the weird kiss in the room and the i hate all of it they they don't go to the room of requirement together ever ever i don't anyways doesn't happen so let's start from the beginning (laughs) listen i want to like bonnie wright I want to like I want her. to, and I don't think it was fully her. I think it was also the way she was directed. But, ooh, but, it was rough. Oh, my goodness. This movie, I was just like. It hurt. It was. It was so. I almost couldn't even watch some of the scenes. It was, like, so. Cringy. Awkward. And it's, oh, and cringy. Yeah, and, mm, and it just, Ginny doesn't have the passion. Okay, it's yours. Anyways, you go. here we go. <laughs> This is clearly something I'm passionate about as well, but let's take called, it away. I called dibs. So, from the beginning, let's start with Harry going to the burrow. And Fleur's there. And Ginny freaking hates Fleur. He, she calls she, her Flem. She calls her Flem. <laughs> and Harry and Ginny kind of have, like, this joke where, like, one time Harry's going downstairs and Ginny's coming up and she's like, careful, there's an excess of phlegm in the kitchen. And he's like, I'll try not to slip in it. <laughs> and, like, you know, they're more like friends. And I think that definitely the fifth with, like, the DA and with going to the, like, get the prophecy and stuff, I think that that kind of helped them bond. And the fact that Harry and Hermione were prefects, which, again, they totally left out of this one. But anyways, and like, I think that it caused Harry to bond more with Ginny. 
And it talks about how when he's staying at the burrow that summer for the rest of the summer, like she kind of just hangs around with them and they like play Quidditch together. And like it'll mm-hmm. be Ron and Ginny against Harry and Hermione. And since Ginny and Harry are good and Ron and Hermione aren't as good, it's like a good, you know, balance Match of up. the teams. Yeah. So that tells you right there, Ginny's good at Quidditch, which becomes important in the book and kind of the movie, but and not as another much. shared interest. <laughs> Then they go to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes in Diagon Alley and Fred and George start grilling Ginny being like, what's this I hear about you having like five boys going after you and you like dumping guys left and right and breaking hearts. Like it's made very clear in the book that Ginny is very popular at school. Yeah. Like, Not just ev- amongst boys, like amongst everyone. Everyone yeah, loves Everyone her. loves Ginny because she's just like Harry's mom, Lily was. It's almost yeah. like it's like, I don't know. A parallel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so then she's like, I'm not like I well, she gets mad at Ron and is like, I would appreciate it if you would keep your mouth shut. And then they're like, is it true? Are you dating a boy named Dean Thomas? And she's like, yes, I am. Which if you read the books, you know more about Dean in the movies. He's like there, but like not fully he's there. Pretty cool. You like him in the movies. Yeah, he's chill. I like who they cast as Dean. Oh, yeah. No, he the actor's great. Um. But yeah, and she's again, dating Dean. Yay, they have at least one black character. Woot woot. <laughs> but yeah, Dean Wish is... Wish we had better representation there, but... Dean is dating Ginny for like the first half of the book. Like, they date for a while. It's... And it's... Yeah, it's not like... Like you mentioned, like, they kiss at Christmas time in yeah. the movie. That's She's not, still dating Dean. They don't kiss Till at Christmas. after the holidays. <laughs> so anyway, so then you have that. And then they get on the train and Harry's like, sees Ginny talking to her friends. He goes over. He's like, hey, Ginny, you want to find a compartment? And she's like, no, I'm going to go meet Dean. Sorry. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess she doesn't hang out with us at school. Like, I got so used to having her around. Like, oh, OK. And then he goes with Neville and Luna. And that's like the beginning of what turns into a nice slow burn over the rest oh, the of the best book. slow burn. Like, Harry so is so dense, but he, like, slowly but surely realizes, like, oh, maybe I have feelings for her. But he's, like, so in denial of it. And then... Well, in the amor- Amortensia, if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that potion correctly, yeah. that scene, not only, you know, in the book, does a better job at implying Hermione's feelings about Ron... It also talks about how Harry, you know, it lists what Harry smells. And then later when Ginny comes by, he like smells that smell and he's like surprised. And it's like, he's like, oh, it's it's just that slow, like he's not even fully aware. (laughs) Well, and then Harry becomes Quidditch captain, which they like kind of talk about, but like they don't make it clear like how awesome that is. And the fact that that puts him on equal status with prefects. So Harry and Hermione are Which like Ron and you're Hermione like are the same as us now. Like we can use the same special bathroom. <laughs> like, um, Which Harry technically already used in the fourth. One. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and so since Harry becomes Quidditch captain, he does tryouts. And Ron has to try out again. And mm-hmm. Ginny tries out as well. This time as a chaser. Uh huh. Because they don't talk about this at all in the fifth movie, but 
Ginny, Ginny takes over for Harry as the seeker. As the seeker, <laughs> yeah. Ginny was the seeker before, but this time she's like, you be the seeker, that's fine. I'm going to be a chaser because she's baller. <laughs> and she is not afraid to get in there and, like, be aggressive. She's so brave and well, oh, and I forgot to mention and outspoken, and she just seems so timid. And The reason she gets invited to the Slug Club is because Slughorn sees her doing a hex and is like, that was awesome. You're dope. <laughs> Come be in my club. And she's like, well, okay. <laughs> but, like, she's so cool. She's so not timid or shy or afraid to speak her mind. And then, slowly but surely, you know, Ginny and Dean kind of start having some problems, which Harry gets super excited about. He doesn't know why, but he's like, oh, good. And, and then, I love the way that J.K. Rowling does the comparison of, like, the creature in his chest. Uh-huh. Like, roaring when, like, certain things happen. And then, like... Purring when certain like, things happen. He's like, why am I angry? Why do I feel this feeling? Because he's like, just, like, so he's a 16 year old boy. Like a typical 16-year-old boy might be. And, like, there's <laughs> the scene where he's in the invisibility cloak coming back. And he comes through the portrait. And he, it's Dean and Ginny are walking out the other way. And he bumps into Dean, which makes Dean bump into Ginny, and she like snaps at him, and she's like, I can get through the portal no, she, on my she, own. No, it's Harry that bumps into Ginny. Oh, okay. I know, yeah. Okay. So Dean doesn't even touch Ginny, which makes it even funnier, because that is why they break up. Yeah, that leads <laughs> it is to them breaking pushes up. pushes the breakup. Because Ginny's like, why do you always try to help me through the portrait hole? I can climb through myself. I'm an independent like, woman. I didn't even touch you. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Anyways, when he finally starts realizing that he has feelings for Ginny, then he starts feeling this guilt because he's like, that's Ron's sister. That's my best friend's sister. And Ron was already kind of upset about Dean dating Ginny. Like he's like had some bitterness there. So Harry's like, Ron's going to kill me. Like, I can't I can't tell him. Ron, like, Ron loses. And he has this inner battle, like, this back and forth with himself. And then when they kiss for the first time, and it's this build up to it, and oh, so they have a it's Quidditch after game. they win the Quidditch World, like, the Quidditch they Cup. They win the Quidditch Cup, which cup. is. The House Cup. <laughs> yeah, the, yep. Which is towards the end, which just goes to show, like, it's throughout the year that this is building. Uh, it's a slow burn. And so they win. They all go back to the common room to party, like, have a celebration. Harry sees Ginny across the room walks over to her, grabs her, and just kisses her in this moment well, of heated he passion. Her, she gives him a hug, and then he's just so built up in it that he's just like, I'm, doing I'm just going to kiss you. <laughs> and he does, and it's just like, you're just so excited because you're like, finally, because you've been waiting for it the entire book. And after he does it, he, like, looks for Ron's eyes, and you can tell, like, Ron's like, what? shocked by it and like not super happy about it but then he he gives him like this look of like i don't love it but like you're good like, and, like i'm they, okay they with talk this. about it later and ron's like i mean if it had to be anyone like i'm glad it's you like mm -hmm. well you're and then, better and than it's, dean it's they still are able to date for like almost a month at the end of the year and it's so cute because it talks about like how Harry will just go out with Ginny in the like walk around the grounds and just sit in the sun together and just like spend or while time they do together. homework in the common room and she'll be sitting on the ground like leaning against his legs. And it's just so cute and precious and wholesome. 
But then after Dumbledore dies and at the funeral and stuff, like, Ginny's there supporting him and trying to be understanding. And they kind of show that, but again, in kind of an awkward, weird way in yeah. the movie. And so, and Ginny has a strong personality the entire time. She has had up until this point, which they did a terrible job of showing in the movies. And then their relationship in the movie is just so poorly shown. The scenes are all awkward, out of order, super weird. And I hate them so much. And I'm so bummed because one of the biggest, like, the sixth book is one of my least favorites. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, I love the sixth book. <laughs> I, I never really liked it. But the one thing that I loved in it was Harry and Ginny's relationship. That one yeah. would keep me reading it again and again and again. And the movie wrecked it. <laughs> Hardcore. They really... I mean, they didn't for even as much come as you close. want to say about, like, it's a movie, they have time constraints, they have all these different constraints, blah, 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 blah. Right, right, I get it. I understand it can't be exactly like the book. We do understand that. The point of this podcast is to rip into the movie anyway, we understand why they can't be exactly the same. But, but this my is oh my, some of these things. Inexcusable. It's, there's no excuse for how bad it is. It's so <laughs> bad. What the scenes that should have been beautiful and given like the viewer butterflies too were cringy and awkward. And then there's so many people that are. I mean, like you mentioned earlier with the whole Harry Hermione trying to force them together. It's because there's, there's more chemistry between them in the movies than there is between who they should actually end up with. Well, and a lot of people are like, why does he end up with Ginny? And you're like, if you read the books, it would make so much sense because she's a firecracker. She doesn't put up with crap. So she's perfect for Harry. She doesn't care what people think. Like, she's so Well, in awesome. the end... Again, they don't include this in the movie, but in the end, he talks to her and he's like, I'm sorry, like, we can't continue doing this. Because I'm going to use you to get to me. And like, I have to go like, hunt him down what if I don't care. She's so and boss. like, too bad I do. Like, yeah. So and they don't really show that well, because then in the seventh movie, you're like, what happened with them? And it's like not clear. And so in that moment where Harry's like, we need to break up. And he's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's like, I'm going off to hunt Voldemort. Like, she knows exactly, you know, not exactly, but like, well, she it talks about how, like, yeah, she's not even down. surprised. Like, she's like, yeah, but she's like, I don't, like, I still care about you. I still want to be with you. And he's like, I just can't do it. And she's like, annoyed and upset. But like, it's like, okay, we're going to understand work. But, like, she's still very angry at him, which you see in the seventh, which I will probably mm -hmm. talk about in the next episode. Let's be real. Because, <laughs> again, they wrecked it. But I need to stop ranting because I could keep so going on. Got move we're on. already pushing it on this episode. Because I'm going to have a hard time with my next one, too. So, yes. So <laughs> let me just to summarize. Harry and Ginny are an amazing couple if you read the books and the movie did them dirty and I'm upset about it. The end. <laughs> Okay, on to yours. <laughs> All right. I know I've already talked about Snape in an episode. And I've already even talked about him a little bit this episode. But it's happening again. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, he's like kind of important in this movie. So my number one big pet peeve grievance for this movie is 
Snape's personification, as well as just the lack of Half-Blood Prince stuff. It's literally named Half-Blood Prince. So I'm going to start by going back to the Sectum Sempra scene, which we've already talked about mm-hmm. a little bit. I specifically In the didn't movie, it's go like into Snape it shows too much. Up, Starts healing Malfoy and Harry just runs away. And that's that's it. That's the end of it. That's the There's end no of it. Consequences. There's no consequences. There's no wreck nothing. your enemy and have no problem. And in the book, Snape yeah, does like heal Malfoy the best he can. And then is like, okay, hey, we've got to get you to the hospital wing as soon as we can. Madame Pomfrey will finish up and that way, like, you probably won't even have any scarring. And he turns to Harry and goes, You Stay here and wait for me. (laughs) And another thing, too, that the book, the movie kind of shows Harry's like shock and surprise. But then again, like he just runs away in in the book. He rushes to Malfoy before Snape even shows up because he's like, oh, my gosh, this is not what I meant to do. Yeah. And is like, oh, my gosh, there's so much blood. And he's like trying to figure out how to stop the bleeding. (laughs) Yes. Because he doesn't want Malfoy to die. He's a good person and he doesn't want to kill anyone. And so he's still there. Snape shows up. He's not running away. He He's like blab- blabbering and stuff. He's like, this is not what I meant to do. This is not what I meant to do. Blah, blah, blah. Snape comes back. Snape is pissed, as you can expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snape knows exactly what spell he used, right? And And Snape asks him, he's like, where did you learn that spell? And Harry's like, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Snape's like, Just where did you learn that spell? And he's all like, I don't know, a library book. I don't remember the title. And Snape's like, you are a liar. I know you are a liar. Go and get all of your school books and bring them back to me right now. Mm-hmm. And so Harry takes off. He takes Ron's book, potions book, and goes and hides his potions book in the room of requirement. That's how That's his book when that ends happens. up in the room Jenny of Jenny ain't there. <laughs> There's no weird, awkward kiss. Anyway, he comes back. Snape is still pissed. And Snape uses legitimacy to go into Harry's mind because he knows Harry sucks at occlumency (laughs) to find out that it is like, in fact, like he has been reading the Half-Blood Prince's potions book. Like he knows that's where it is. So then when he's looking at Harry's books and he sees not that potions book, it says Ronald Wasley or whatever, because <laughs> yeah. it's Ron's book. And Ron bought a sell a spell check quill from friend George's shop. That's like breaking or whatever. There's a further argument there. And then Snape gives Harry detention for every single Saturday, the rest of the semester or term or whatever they call it in British yeah. terms. <laughs> um, and I don't know. That's just that was big to me that to leave that out was just like crazy to me because again the title of this book and movie is the half-blood prince (laughs) like you would think literally what the movie would put a little bit more emphasis on it to be the title and like in the movie that's like the only other than like learning like helping him in potions a little bit in the beginning of the movie that's like the only other time that like you see Harry learn anything from it is that one spell. But actually 
there's like four or five other spells from that book that Harry has been using. Which are actually quite important, especially the one. There's one that like muffles. Muffiato. Sound. It, it makes it so that people can't overhear what you're talking about. And they have to use that one a, a lot in the seventh. It makes somebody. You can it levitate someone basically the from their ankle. So they're hung upside down. I mean, there's a couple others, but like one that makes somebody's tongue like stick to the top of their mouth, mouth so they, so like, they can't, can't keep talk. talking. Yeah. Um, and so he's been using a lot of these as well as doing extremely well in potions to the point where Slughorn, it's like all he can talk about. And Snape is the previous potions master. And also, like, he knows that Harry's not great at potions, right? Yeah. Like, there's lots of reasons for him to be suspicious. Like, he knows... Also, I kind of mentioned this earlier throughout the entire book. Hermione's like, this guy does book. not sound like a good guy. Like Which, this half-blood prince dude does not seem like a great dude. And Harry's like, I don't care. I don't He's care. helping me in potions. And also, if it weren't for him, Ron would be dead. Because the reason that Harry knew to grab the Bezor. I can't remember what it's called now. Hmm? Bez the Bezor, Bezor or whatever. Bezor. The Bezor. Is because in the potion book by antidotes and stuff, the Half-Blood Prince, Snape, wrote down, like, just shove a Bezor down their throat. It'll cure any poison. Like, yeah. And so that's why he knew to do that when Ron got poisoned in um, Slughorn's office. Well, in addition, which was Dumbledore... Which also a scene that was done very well, by the way, but... Dumbledore told Harry to get close to Slughorn because he needed the memory, so Harry was also like, hey, I'm doing well in potions, which makes Slughorn like me, which means I'm closer to getting that memory, so I'm not yeah, going to stop using this Yeah, but Hermione was book. never happy about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a continuous discussion throughout the book that he's... He never just reads his textbooks, but he will just be reading through this potions book because of all the additional notes and annotations and spells and whatnot that the Half-Blood Prince Which, has written in it. to be fair, I would probably be the same. Agreed. <laughs> I would too. But it talks a lot about, and, and Hermione even says, like, don't you wonder at all who this person is? And Harry's like, yeah, a little bit. Well, in the book, Hermione does more research and is like, trying to figure out who it is and it's like none of the people that are possibilities that i found are all that great like you really shouldn't be keep using this book yada yada right and so then after the not so great non-existent fight scene in hogwarts when harry is chasing him that scene's done pretty well with snape being like deflecting thing after thing after thing basically except in the book Snape is saying a ton of snide comments to Harry about how he's weak and doesn't have the heart to do spell yes. certain spells and should just stop trying and all this stuff. Like, again, Snape's just so much meaner mm -hmm. in the books than he is in well, the movies and, and, before, and just cruel and angry. Yeah. Well, and before this scene, also, you do learn a little bit about who... Like the connection, like how the connection might be, because Hermione does find an article on someone with the last name Prince. Yes. But so they she's can't. Like, Maybe this is who it is. But they're like, that was a girl. What just happened? Another big thing. Again, we don't have time, so I'm just going to keep on going. <laughs> yeah. Um, a big thing 
that I'm not sure. Again, we haven't gotten to the seventh one quite yet, and it's been a little bit since I last read it or watched the movie. But a big thing that you learn in this book is that Snape is the one that was like eavesdropping at Dumbledore's door and overheard Trelawney give him the prophecy. Oh, yeah. And it's Snape that ran to Voldemort and told him what he heard. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Snape, if Snape had not said anything to Voldemort, Harry's parents wouldn't have died. Like At least not at that time. I mean, it's possible they still would have. Yeah, but it's like point. the Voldemort wouldn't have known about the prophecy if it wasn't for Snape. Which is ironic off and because him. then when Snape found out that it was Lily... He's and like, yet, like, to be oops. fair, Snape didn't know exactly who the prophecy was talking about. He didn't know that it was going to be again, Lily and like Lily's easily son. could have been Neville. But still. Only having remorse because it's a specific person, you know, makes you a scummy person. Yeah. If it had been Neville's parents, Snape would have still been a Death Eater. Snape wouldn't have cared. He couldn't have cared less. Like. Snape's not some great guy. He is a sore loser in the friend zone kind of deal. Anyway, Harry finds that out <laughs> and is super mad. So when he leaves with Dumbledore to find the last Horcrux, he's already super ticked about Snape and doesn't trust him like at all. Like he already didn't trust him. Like now he really doesn't trust him and like has never hated him more just to get back and have Snape kill Dumbledore in front of him, right? So during this battle, he's really, really mad. He's using, he tries to use like Levicorpus and Sectumtempra. And another thing that this, the movie doesn't really focus on, but the book does is in their sixth year, they really emphasize nonverbal spells. Oh yeah. Which is, it's a lot easier to, you know, surprise whoever you're fighting and whatnot, if they don't hear what incantation you're about to say, you like, they don't know what spell to expect mm -hmm. or that you're about to use one. So they don't know to block it. And Harry's just not great at it. No. <laughs> and that's another thing that Snape throws in his face right now, where it's like, I can hear you. Like, this is why you should have worked harder at this. You're lazy and blah, because blah, blah. And implies Snape all this is stuff. teaching defense against the dark arts. Snape was the one teaching him yeah. about now, the silent yeah. spells. And so he finally tries using Levicorpus, not Levicorpus, he's tried using that one first. And then he finally tries using Septum Sempra or whatever. And Snape is just angry. Again, in the movie, he's way too calm during all of this and also too old. But he's <laughs> like a younger guy, not so great at controlling his temper. He's just mad and angry. And Harry calls him a coward. And that does not sit well with him at all. And that's when he like comes over. He like totally jinxes Harry, sends him flying, then comes over to him. He's super angry. Like J.K. Rowling specifically talks about how angry, like his face is contorted with how like angry he is. And basically says like, don't try using my own spells against me. Yeah, that's right. I'm the Half-Blood Prince. And he's like smug about it. And in the movie. Oh, yeah, he's so proud of it. You just don't get it. But then also in the movie, the lack of the emphasis leading up to this scene makes it so that its impact isn't as strong anyway. You're like, cool, he's the Half-Blood Prince. What does that even matter? Whatever. And then you also later learn that that chick that Hermione found, whose last name was Prince, Snape's was Snape's mom. mom. 
Snape's dad, you know, how he got the name Snape, was a muggle. So the prince line was a pure blood line. And that's the family line that Snape, like, took pride in, which is why he talked about being the half-blood prince. And he he wanted to focus more on that prince bloodline. And he was a half-blood, just like Voldemort. Just like, and, and they tie that parallel, too, where it's like these people who focus on bloodlines and they're evil and try to make themselves something they're not and ignore another a whole half of their family and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, they tie the lines, the connections between him and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. That went too long. I talked longer than I should have. Again, I knew that was going to happen. And I, we all do it. That was my number one. Yep. So... Let's really quickly get to fan fill pause. Yes. <laughs> so that this episode isn't super long. <laughs> yep. Do you want to go first with this one? Yeah. Sure. So we have one from Marley G. And she said, I wish they would have shown Dumbledore's funeral. It would have been so awesome to see all the people and species that showed up for him. It would be an expensive scene, but so worth it. I also wish they had included more of Tom Riddle's and related memories with just the context of the movies a lot of the horcruxes don't really have a lot of meaning and they seem like random objects instead however they did the felix felicity scene perfectly i love watching that bit yes and we kind of talked about a couple of things really fast with dumbledore's funeral that's so true because like yeah obviously it's sad for hogwarts the centaurs show up the mermaids show up like giants goblins like it shows like dumbledore had connections with like everybody and he really did like tie the magical world together so it was a big deal when he died yeah and i do like how they did like the lights on the wand like that uh-huh. that does that is described as that's what they do in the in the in the book too yeah. and i really do like how they did that scene i thought that scene was really powerful mm-hmm. but i think dumbledore's funeral scene would have almost been more powerful yeah for sure so, yes, Marley, definitely agree. And the Felix Felicity scene is, like, the best scene in that movie by far. I laugh out loud still while watching it's that scene. Hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. All right. So I've got one from Brad K. And he talks about how he was so angry when he watched this movie at the end when there was no battle at Hogwarts during and after Dumbledore's death. That he almost got up and walked out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. I talked about that myself, right? Like, it just, it, I don't understand why they didn't do it that way. So I'm with you there. Get mm-hmm. it. I understand. So dumb. <laughs> and I think that's that's it that we've got. Yep, just the two this week. Just the two this week. So yep. that's fine because we don't really have time to talk about much No, more. we went so in-depth. So, um, just to recap, or not recap, just to finish, (laughs) we still have to ask the question that we do this whole thing about. Yes. And that is, was the book better? Oh my goodness, yes. hundred bazillion gajillion percent. In so many ways. In so many ways. Ugh. This one was rough. It was a doozy. Um... So read the book if you haven't. <laughs> or listen to it's it. It's really good. I promise. Yes, it's long. I know it's long. It and is. And I know if you're not a fast reader, that means it might take a while to get through it. I get it. I know. 
Well, I don't know personally because I'm lucky enough to be a fast reader, which is why I can get through these books pretty quickly while watching movies and whatnot. But like, I promise you it's worth doing. You just you get so much more from it. You really do. You just get to know the characters more and you love them and you understand the world more. And it's just really cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, now to recap. Um, please like and follow and whatnot on our social media. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify and other places where you listen to your podcast. You can also rate us on our Facebook page. Apparently, I learned that. Yeah, today. if you want to rate us on there, that'd be cool. Because it said no ratings, and I was like, you can do ratings on here. <laughs> so if you want to rate us on Facebook, that would be dope. If you want to um, share us with your friends, it would be much appreciated. Yes, please. Uh, the other thing is, please be thinking about and reach out to us and let us know what you want us to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not a social media person, that's fine. We also have an email, which is at TBWB. Well, not at <laughs> TBWB podcast at gmail.com. There you go. So you can also use that. And then, yeah, next time we will get into the first half of the seventh Harry Potter yeah, we're going to split it by movies because otherwise it yeah. would be like a three hour episode and we don't want to do really that long. And I'm going to be honest, going into it, I have high. Expe- I mean, I've already based on what we've talked about. I already have pretty high expectations, but I have higher expectations because they split this book into two movies. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to you go would ham. expect them to get more right. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> I can already tell you they don't get everything right. <laughs> no, but I do. There are some good, powerful scenes that I do really like that yeah. we'll be sure to mention. Yep. But anyway, that was the sixth one. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and start reading or watching or whatever the seventh one if you have been following along with us. Other than that, we will talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye.